Living in America, and welcome to the Deeds List. I'm Dean Bowen. We're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio, and we've got a lot to get to today, including a history class in the third segment. Yes, we are going back to history class today. There is much to get to, but before history class, and before we get to all the other stuff on the docket, uh, maybe you've seen this. I didn't see it till after the show yesterday. Uh, Our friends at Harvard, our friends at Woke Harvard, the the Board of Trustees, they've issued a statement in support of President Gay. Uh, So in case you missed it, like me, it says, as members of the Harvard Corporation, we today reaffirm our support for President Gay's continued leadership, Harvard University. Oh, it's, it's a continuation. This leadership has been fantastic, and we want this leadership to continue at Harvard. Uh, The letter continues, our extensive deliberations affirm our confidence that President Gay is the right leader to help our community heal and to address the very serious societal issues we are facing. We've talked about it for a long time, and you know what? We're going to keep on keeping on. We, 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 we like the direction that that uh, Claudine Gay is taking us. We're going to stay with her. Oh, boy. All right. The letter continues. So many people have suffered tremendous damage and pain because of Hamas's br- brutal terrorist attack. And the university's initial statement should have been an immediate, direct, and unequivocal condemnation. Yeah. Oh, it should have been. Uh-huh. Calls for genocide are despicable and contrary to fundamental human values. President Gay has apologized for how she handled her congressional testimony and has committed to redoubling the university's fight against anti-Semitism. Oh, man. Can I interject my own interpretation here? Calls for genocide are despicable and contrary to fundamental human values. President Gay has apologized for not sharing those fundamental human values. Dean, how dare you? All right. I mean, that was harsh. I'm sure she, she shares those fundamental human values. I mean, obviously she does. She's a human, right? Why not just say it? You know, you're... you're. <sighs> Why not just answer the question and say, yes, absolutely. Uh, That, uh, you know, calls for genocide, you know, go against our code. And, um, you know, I didn't come out strong enough, you know, and I apologize and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to change and we're going to change things and we're going to come out stronger and better. And, you know, why not just own it? Why not just own it and then, and then make a commitment to move forward instead of saying, well, it depends. Depends on the context. Oh, well, I mean, she's apologized now, apparently, and she's redoubling her efforts to fight anti-Semitism. All right. Well, now they address the the, the plagiarism, uh, plagiarism issue. With regard to President Gay's academic writings, the university became aware in late October of allegations regarding three articles. At President Gay's request, the fellows promptly initiated an independent review by distinguished political scientists and conducted a review of her published work. On December 9, the fellows reviewed the results 
which revealed a few instances of inadequate citation. While the analysis found no violation of Harvard's standards for research misconduct, President Gay is proactively requesting four corrections in two articles to insert citations and quotation marks. All right. So um, there it is. Uh, we are confident that President Gay will lead Harvard forward toward toward accomplishing our vital work. So, all right, Harvard's on board. They are on board. They uh, they enjoy the direction they're going in. Uh, you know, they're they're okay with the status quo. They are okay with, you know, we like things the way they are. We're, we're we're friends of the status quo around here at 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 woke Harvard. Matter of fact, things aren't woke enough. In the meantime, in the meantime, because uh, Gay and maybe because Cornbluth uh, and because McGill did not do enough to punish the uh, the, the the protests. Did did you see this this report of a protester punishing himself? Did you see this? Um, the 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 headline of the article is uh, while outside the Israeli consulate in Georgia, there was a a, a protester out there uh, wearing the Palestinian flag, you know, protesting uh, Israel. Apparently, I mean, this person's outside of the Israeli consulate in Georgia, uh, and and did not feel like the 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 protesters on campus were punished enough by the presidents. And so he decided he was going to punish himself. And during his protest, the article says, protester sets self on fire in Georgia while wearing Palestinian flag. <laughs> Did you see this? I mean, okay. I mean, if that's how you want to protest, you want to let yourself on fire. I mean, you're going to go out with a bang. You're going to, you're going to have one one stellar protest and you're just going to go out in a blaze of glory. Uh this is it. This is this is how we're going to do it. Uh the incident happened around 12:15 in the afternoon. This was a couple of weeks ago on a Friday. When the person who has not been identified doused themselves in gasoline outside the consulate general of Israel in Atlanta. According to WSB TV a nearby security guard quickly responded and tried to put out the flames, but instead sustained burns on his legs and wrists. So you, you got people coming to help you, and then they're suffering also because of your uh, stupidity. I don't. I don't know. The person who set themselves on fire was rushed to the hospital in critical condition after sustaining quote full thickness burns all over. All over their body, the reports full thickness. What's a full thickness burn? That sounds horrible. Uh, it does. It sounds awful. Uh, the Atlanta Police Department chief said this was likely an extreme act of political protest. The individual that was injured was an individual that was carrying out a protest. Um, it, it's unfortunate, but I don't know. What are you thinking? I mean, you know what? <laughs> you're going to light yourself on fire. Uh, why? Why are you going to do that? I don't. Ah, uh, I don't. I, 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 unless 
unless you felt like you know the 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 presidents weren't weren't doing enough to punish. I mean, they got to do more. There's got to be more punishment around here. I'm going to show them how it's done. I'm going to punish myself while protesting simultaneously. Where is the gasoline? Oh, I mean, I, I really do feel badly for the person. I, I do. Um, I don't mean to make fun of their demise, but I mean, you'd think if you're going to protest, you would, you know, you'd light something else on fire. I mean, at least, you know, take a page from from the BLMers from the summer of love in 2020. I mean, they lit, lit buildings on fire. I'm not promoting the lighting of buildings on fire. I, I'm not. Nope. That is not what's happening here. I'm just, I'm just, you know, thinking, you know, why are you going to light yourself on fire? I don't, uh, it, it seems to me that there's got to be, um, and there's got to be another way around this. Um, but alas, but alas, here's where we are. Here's where we are. And, uh, you know, Harvard, they, they like where we are. They're they're perfectly fine with the status quo. I, I said to you, I said that that McGill would be taking one for the team. And the rest of this stuff would just be swept under the rug. We haven't heard a thing about Cornbluth. Has anybody heard a peep out of MIT? Um, anybody? Anybody at all? Nothing but crickets. Nothing but crickets coming out of MIT. But crickets are not coming from the camp of Carol Swain. Who's Carol Swain, might you ask? She is a retired tenured professor from Princeton and Vanderbilt, and from whom President Gay has plagiarized. Mm-hmm. That's right. Carol Swain is speaking out. Now, you know, Harvard's looked at it, and they're like, oh, you know, nothing to see here. Everything's everything's fine. But well, what does Carol Swain think about it? Let's, um, let's take a listen. She was on... Um, she was being interviewed by American Thought Leaders, which is a fantastic program put out by Epic Times. So uh, her her comments are are interesting. They're eye opening. They're enlightening. They're revealing. Let's take a listen here to clip number one of Carol Swain. And I would agree with Chris Rufo that the passages that he uh, identified, not just of her not putting quotation marks around parts of my work, but also there were some other scholars that that would constitute um, plagiarism. Whether it was done accidentally or I don't know what her intent was, maybe it wasn't the plagiarize, but it's clearly uh, there in her thesis. So Harvard says nothing to see here, but Carol Swain says, ah, yeah, it's there. I mean, it's clear. Whether it was her intent to lift, you know, my work on purpose or not, it's it it that's plagiarism, and her definition, you know. So I don't know what definition of the board of trustees at Harvard. I don't know what you know, what definition they're referring to. I wonder, had I wonder if their opinion would have been different had they uh, consulted with uh, Carol Swain on this. Let's take a listen to clip number two. But what bothers me more is that the work that she uh, forgot to put quotation marks around in her thesis was my prize-winning book, Black Faces, Black Interests, The Representation of African Americans in Congress, published in 1993, updated in 95 and 2006. 
That uh, book won three national prizes. It's been cited by numerous lower court decisions, and also it has three Supreme Court sites. Library Choice uh, magazine identified it as being one of the outstanding books of 1994. And so her research, the, the things that got her tenure, are not uh, articles that are path-breaking. They're derivative, I would argue, from my work. Well, this is Carol Swain's big complaint, is that the uh, research from, from President Gay is not groundbreaking. There's nothing new about it. It's a derivative of, of Carol Swain's work. The, the, that's it. And this, this book, Black Faces, Black Interests, is an impressive uh, piece of writing. It, you know, as Carol said, it's received three national prizes, uh, three Supreme Court citations from, from this book, several lower court citations. This is this is a stellar piece of work and a stellar piece of, of, of research. And it's almost as if um, Claudine Gay is just, you know, piggybacked on it. She just jumped on Carol Swain's back and said, come on, Swain, take us, take us across the finish line with your work. I'm going to ride your work in. There isn't, um, you know, and Carol Swain even says this later on in, in the interview. Uh, she says, I, uh, I I think there should be a higher standard here, you know, you know, because of what her dis dissertation um, accomplished for her. Uh, there's supposed to be some some groundbreaking, brand new information that comes out of you know the research you know from a dissertation as opposed to just you know having your work be uh, in in Swain's words a derivative of someone else's work. In this case, Carol Swain's work. Uh, we I want to play that next clip where I think she she mentions that, but I'm up against it. Not enough time. I will pick that clip up on the other side of the break. We're going to be segment one. We're going to we're going to go a little shorter because I want more time when we get into history class today. I just I got to have more time for history. I just do. I mean, if I'm not going to take the entire show, which, you know, sometimes I do. Sometimes the whole show is history class. But today I did want to get in uh, some of this other stuff. So segment three, we will jump into history class so a little shorter here in one and two. All right, we'll pick it up on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Lifestyle changes are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support cholesterol and blood pressure with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order.
Welcome back to The Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. And you can listen at the or on the world-class media player at americaoutloud.news. Or download the app, the America Out Loud Talk Radio app for your Andro, uh, Android iPhone or your Alexa. Uh, or you can listen to us on iHeartRadio. Uh, and, of course, you can find us in podcasts the next day, wherever wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening. We are happy to have you on board. So as the last segment ended, we, we listened to a couple of clips from Carol Swain. Uh, Carol Swain wrote the book that Claudine Gay uh, has has plagiarized or she didn't plagiarize the whole whole book but you know there are certain things that she took from the book and either she didn't source or she didn't source properly now i get it you know sometimes citations are you know if you didn't do it properly then you know you didn't do it ran it's plagiarism you know i i understand there's some there's there's some some details you know a lot of times it it's just you know APA the easy way is a textbook we used to we used to use when I was teaching at Baker College we would we would teach from APA the easy way and here and we would go through the citations and sometimes it's just cumbersome and it's tedious and I get it and if if you've done something wrong in the citation then it's actually a little different than not citing at all. Um, it sounds to me like the the powers that be at Harvard that that's the angle they're coming from that there was just something wrong in in, in her citation attempt uh, you know but Miss Swain here uh, you know Carol Swain has has a completely different point of view uh, and 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 you know she's she's staying or saying her her standpoint is that look you know. Claudine Gay, this is her her dissertation. You know, she's she's going after this this high level of, of degree, um, and and in pursuit of this, you have to you have to do your own research. You can't have your work be a, a derivative, in in Swain's words, of someone else's work, and it's got to be your, your own groundbreaking effort. And you know. Swain is very proud of this book. As she said, it's received three national prizes and it it gets, you know, lower court and Supreme Court citations. Um, well, I don't want to use the word regularly, but th there are a lot of citations that where the courts have cited Swain's work and, and she's proud of it and she should be proud of it. And somebody else should not be using that work as Know, something of their own. So this is Carol Swain's point of view. There's one more clip that I want you to, to hear from Carol Swain as she's being interviewed on American thought leaders. So let's let's take a li listen to clip number three. ...to my work. And I should also tell you that when I was in graduate school, one of my professors charged another professor with plagiarizing my work. And so people have just loved my ideas and I think I should take it as a compliment and so sometimes it doesn't bother me, but this time it does bother me because this person has risen to the leadership of a major university, but I don't believe that uh, the moral 
moral guidance is there or the intellectual integrity that you would expect. Yowzers. She just called her out. Uh, you know, somebody, somebody lacks the moral guidance or the intellectual integrity. Now that, um, you know, that's big. If, 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 you know, Carol Swain is saying, look, you're the president of Harvard. You're in this position. And being in this position, you, uh, you need to have moral guidance. What needs to guide you? Morality needs to guide you. Okay. Uh, you know, the absence of morality is, you know, thievery. It's an example if 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 morality is absent. You know, it's it's what we're seeing, you know, at these you know, all these high-priced stores out in California. You know, people just come in, they smash and grab and they're out. But if they if they steal less than a thousand dollars, they're not really going to be prosecuted out in California. You know, there, there, there's no morality. It, you know, they're just going to go take what they want. You know, the, they're going to perform thievery all day long. And it, Carol Swain is is really drawing this this parallel here. And, you know, she's saying as as the leader of this university, there's got to be some moral guidance. You know, you, you have to take extra effort in, you know, making sure, you know, not only you're citing your work, but that, you know, you're actually doing the research that's required of you. You're actually doing the, the, the research that the, the, the dissertation or even the, the position calls for. Do the work. You know, don't have the moral guidance. Uh, and then she says, have the intellectual integrity. Uh, yeah, I mean, intellectual integrity. You, you know, have the ability to, to really stop and consider the integrity that's at stake. Your integrity. Your integrity is at, at, at stake. You know, when you're in that position, you, you have to, you have to consider it. You know, she kind of tongue in cheek, you know, says, hey, you know, this is I'm 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 flattered that, you know, people want to want to steal my work. I guess that means it's it's pretty good. You know, but you've got to have the 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 moral guidance and the intellectual integrity to do your own work. Uh-huh. You've got to have the ability to do the right thing. And in Claudine Gay's defense, you know, she made some reference to her integrity, her academic, you know, scholarship and, and integrity. You know, she stands by it. Apparently, you know, the good folks at, at Harvard stand by it. This is what they want out of their out of their leadership. They're they are content to just, you know, join the, the status quo club. Well, you know, hey, we, we got it good. Let's just keep on going. Really, though, what does Harvard have to, to be concerned about? What, what do they have to be worried about? I mean, if they keep her, if she stays, they've got billions. I mean, don't they? What's their endowment at? Uh, yeah, I mean, even if, you know, even if they lost a percentage of their student base, I mean, they're always going to have kids. There's always going to be kids that want to go to Harvard. They're going to be, you know, getting student loans to go to Harvard. Um, 
you know, Bill Ackman is, you know, he might pull his money, but I mean, there are enough woke donors. Do I just sound pessimistic, pessimistic right now? That's, that's not like me. Dean, what's the problem? I, I just, you know, I, I, I guess I'm being more of, of a realist at the moment. You know, I, I, I've said this, I've repeated it. McGill took one for the team and we're not going to hear anything from Harvard on gay or MIT on, on Cornbluth. We're just going to continue hearing crickets. I mean, you know, Swain's going to, you know, she's going to keep talking about it. Others are going to keep talking about it. I hope they do. I hope Ackman continues to talk about it. We have to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep talking about it. Uh, yeah, you know, does Harvard care though? Does MIT care? They should care. It matters. Leadership matters. Having moral guidance and intellectual integrity matter. Um, doing the right thing matters. And teaching the generation behind us to do the right thing matters. You know, Harvard's decisions right now are, are teaching an entire generation on how to handle life that that you can you can skate by you can maybe do the the minimum amount of work just to get by and you know what it's it's going to be great and you're going to you're going to make it happen i saw did, did you see yesterday um and this may, might be a little off topic but i think it makes my point yesterday hunter biden is giving this press conference and you know he's talking about uh the the evil Republicans and how they have no shame in coming after him. I think those were his words. They have no shame. What are they doing? My father had no dealings with my businesses. And he goes through the list of his businesses and even and even throws in his 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 artwork. Uh, you know, after all the evidence that the Republicans in Congress have been producing as of late. Uh, Speaker Johnson even said yesterday that you know we're we're moving forward. We've got uh, there's a, there's evidence here. There's evidence that you know the Biden family has been lying to us. But yet you've got Hunter that'll get up and say, "Don't they? They know no shame. They they are going after a president's family. They know no shame." Um, this this whole. This whole mess here with the Bidens has taught a generation that, you know what, you just you play the game right, you can probably get by. You don't have to worry about integrity. You don't have to worry about moral guidance. You don't have to be encumbered by all that junk. You don't have to be encumbered by actually, you know, wanting to constantly do the right thing. You know, it's not a big deal to, to consult with your legal team before your congressional hearing, you know, to, to word your, to, to word your statements, just so, so you're not, you know, you're not lying and you're not admitting to anything, you know, you can kind of work around it. There's always, you know, let's just play this word game. Um, you, you, the more you do that, the more that happens, there's a, a, a continual chink in your credibility. And, People are going to start asking, do the words that come from your mouth actually 
hold any weight or any merit at all whatsoever. Are you telling the truth right now? Because I, you know, up there and and you know, on Capitol Hill, it didn't seem like you were telling the truth. And so now you're being accused of, you know, plagiarizing, you know, which is kind of not telling the truth. It's kind of thievery. It's it's word idea thievery. Yeah, you know, are you telling the truth right now? I guess just, you know, and that's there's just this. I mean, I guess you could call it a slippery slope. I don't know if that actually qualifies as a as a good definition here. You just, uh, you, you know, you're, you're just building this platform of untruths, and uh, it's uh, it's something that's built on shifting sand. Eventually, it's coming down. It's going to collapse all around you. The unfortunate thing about this uh, is there, there's a generation of young people that really need to be taught otherwise. And I don't know, are they, are they being taught otherwise? Are they being, are, are they being told and taught that if you just get by, if you just do enough to get by, then you know what? You're going to be just fine. Well, look at Claudine Gay. She's the president of Harvard. She's done just enough to get by. I think it's sad. I really do. Uh, I think it's, it's upsetting. And, uh, you know, the fact that Harvard's just going to go with status quo, I'm not surprised. I'm really not. I told you. I told you this is what was going to happen. I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm I'm sad about it, though. I'm upset about it. I think we could, we could learn some lessons from, well, from history class. I think, you know, this goes back to history class. I think if we taught history well, you know, we could teach lessons, life lessons, lessons of intellectual integrity and lessons of, of moral guidance that, that that would come out of history class. And that's what we're going to get into next. Uh, we're going to dive into some history. Today is a it's a special day in history. Uh, December 14th. It's a sad day. It is. It's a day that was mourned for weeks and, and months, maybe even years. And we don't really mourn it today because we're so far removed from it. But we're going to talk about December 14th and what it means to us and the lessons that that we can garnish from it. Actually, the lessons of moral guidance and the lessons uh, of intellectual integrity that come from a life that was well-lived. Uh, a life, and, and everybody everybody knew it. Everybody knew his life was well-lived. Uh, and they were proud to know him and, and and proud to be a part of his life. But he passed on December 14th, 19 or 1799. And we'll pick it up next in history class on the Dean's List. You're listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio.
spike proteins help viruses enter into your cells, disrupting your health and your well-being. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body of spike proteins, which allows your body to repair from within, supporting your immune and respiratory systems and regulating your inflammatory response. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You're listening to History Class on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Yep, we are going back into History Class. Today is December 14th. And on December 14th, it is, uh, well, it's a sad day. It's a mournful day. It's the day George Washington died at Mount Vernon at the age of 67 years old, two days after being caught out in sleet and snow while riding over his farms. He was just out, you know, checking the property. Uh, 67. He was a young 67, and he left us all too soon. Uh, news spread slowly from Mount Vernon to the rest of the of the young republic that Washington had passed. And it's it, it's sad to think about, really, because it didn't have to be this way. He had a cold. He literally died from a cold. You know, but at the time, you know, doctors thought, well, the blood is bad, so we got to get the blood out of his body. And, it, you know, it's a it was a medical procedure they called bloodletting. And they basically drained the blood from his system. Uh, had they have left him alone, he, he might still be alive today. No, he wouldn't be alive today, but he perhaps would have would have lived longer. You know, but essentially, essentially, they drained the very lifeblood, the life source from his body because of a cold. Um, and it's sad. It really is. It's sad to think about, but. Uh, you, you know, news spread slowly, uh, but once people heard the news, they were surprised by it. I mean, no one saw this coming. It wasn't like he had been sick. It wasn't like he was wounded. You know, it was, you know, he's got a cold. Uh, and, and so as people start to hear about it, 
they expressed their grief and their gratitude in over 400 you know, what they called mourning ceremonies. Uh, and this would have been from the time he died uh, up until February 22nd, which is uh, Congress has designated National Day of Mourning. Uh, and I believe it was Chief Justice John Marshall. Um, because the 22nd is Washington's birthday. And in the form of a resolution, John Marshall proposed before Congress on December 30th, 1799, that that February uh, in the year 1800, uh, Washington, um, or, you know, they would have, um, you know, essentially um, mourning day, uh, you know, and that, you know, it's Washington's birthday. And that resolution passed that day. You know, the second John Marshall said, here, let's let's resolve to, to have this, um, uh, a national day of mourning. Yeah, Congress said, yep, you got it. We're on it. Uh, during many of these occasions of sorrow, uh, people from all walks of life delivered eulogies in Washington's honor. Prominent politicians, ministers, slaves, uh, and and women contributed to the national grieving process. Everybody was feeling this. Before the time of instant mass communication, of course, you know, the, the, the capabilities of getting on, um, you know, social media didn't exist. You just couldn't pick up the telephone. And so news of his death spread slowly, but steadily. Uh, you know, primarily it was through the circulation of, of newspapers, uh, you know, one newspaper got wind of his death. They would print a story. Another newspaper would would reprint it. Uh, it it took four days for Philadelphia to receive the news of his death. And in contrast, the the frontier capital of Frankfort, Kentucky, did not hear of the passing of Washington until January 9th. So it it you know it was a minute before they they got wind. Congress asked Virginia statesman Henry Lee, uh, nicknamed Light Horse Harry. Uh, they, they asked Henry Light Horse Harry Lee to eulogize the nation's hero. Uh, uh, who, is, who is Henry Lee? Uh, well, um, he was a good choice. He, he, he proved to be the ideal choice, actually. Uh, and and Congress was um, in choosing Lee. It was a unanimous decision. Uh, they they in 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 wanting Lee. Here here's what they quoted. Here's their quote. Uh, he's best suited to express quote those sentiments of respect for the character of the gratitude for the service and of grief for the death of that illustrious personages personage personage. They loved that that word back then. Uh, Lee had a long-standing relationship with Washington. Uh, Washington first noticed Lee when he joined the Continental Army as captain of the fifth group of Virginia Light Dragoons. This was during the Revolutionary War. Washington quickly promoted Lee through the ranks. And uh, the men had much in common. Uh, they were both accomplished horsemen from Virginia, hence uh, the nickname uh, Light Horse 
light horse Harry. Uh, he was, um, you know, some you, you hear people say that they're light on their feet. Well, he was light on the horse. He was quite the horseman. Um, of course, they're both from Virginia. Uh, they both resigned their commission after the war, and they both returned home to their families. Uh, Washington and Lee remained uh, long friends after the war. They visited one another. Uh, they shared information about their plantations. They even traded land in exchange for horses. Uh, they brought comfort to each other during hard times. Uh, Lee gifted Washington with barley, black-eyed peas, and boxwood shrubs for his beloved gardens. And their friendship also extended to their wives, uh, with you know Martha inviting them out to Mount Vernon frequently. The eulogy that Lee wrote, it's long, but it's so good. I'm not going to you know read all of it, but there are there's a portion of it I'm going to read. And, and absolutely, there's this famous line from his eulogy: uh, first in war, first in peace." and first in the hearts of his countrymen. He was second to none in the humble and endearing scenes of private life. And that, you know, that's the that's the famous line that everybody remembers when it comes to George Washington, first in war, first in peace, and first in the hearts of his countrymen, but second to none in the humble and endearing scenes of private life. Pious, just, humane, temperate, and sincere. Uniform, dignified, and commanding. His example was as edifying to all around him as were the effects of that example lasting. Correct throughout, vice shuddered in his presence, and virtue always felt his fostering hand. I mean, that is just good language right there. That is just, that is good writing. Henry Lighthorse Harry Lee is... uh. I'm going to read that again. Correct throughout, vice shuddered in his presence, and virtue always felt his fostering hand. What if what, what if people said that about us? Wouldn't you love it uh, at your eulogy? At, at the time of your passing, you're dead and gone. And would, I mean, wouldn't you want people to say that about you, that vice shuddered in your presence? and virtue always felt your fostering hand? I would, I would, <laughs> I would love that to be the, uh, well, you know, in order for that to be the statement at our passing, it has to be our actions while we're living. And, you know, this is, this is why we go to history class, because we get to learn these lessons. This is the moment you know, in public school, this right here, or in any school for that matter, this would be the moment where the teacher would implore the students that, as Rush would say, the young skulls full of mush, to endeavor to, to have vice shudder while vice is in your presence, and to have virtue always feel your fostering hand. I mean, it's that moment. This is this is history is more than just the names and dates. It's these moments that we can, you know, we can teach. Well, what's vice, Mister Bowen? Well, I'm glad you asked, youngin. Uh, vice is the is the things that 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 weigh us down. It's the bad habits, and then you just you go through it. You talk about it, and and you talk about how you know we can overcome the vices and how. What's virtue, Mr. Bowen? And then you talk about virtue. 
and um, and and you have this opportunity to to explain, you know, what what Henry Lighthorse Harry meant when he said virtue always felt his fostering hand. Uh, I mean, just these moments. All right, uh, Lighthorse Harry continues. The purity of his private character gave to his public virtues. Such was the man for whom our nation mourns. Uh, Lee continued here at another at another point. He said, when our monuments shall be done away, when nations now existing shall be no more, when even our young and far-spreading empire shall have perished, still will our Washington's glory unfaded shine. Lee prescribed that citizens should emulate Washington's life example so that allowing character to grow and endure. In these words, he said, be American in thought, word, and deed. Thus, you will give immortality to that nation. He said, follow Washington's example. Be an American in thought, word, and deed. What, what does it mean to be an American? I mean, you you know, it, you can be un-American. You know, you can, you know. You, have you ever heard someone say, well, that's just un-American? Uh, it's the beautiful thing about being an American is you can be un-American. Uh, you, you can't be un-Irish. I mean, if you're Irish, you're Irish. You, you can't be un-Irish. Uh, if you, you can't be un-German. You can't be un-Russian. But you can be un-American because uh, being an American is is more than just living here. It's it's something that uh, that you do in thought, word, and deed. Being an American means you, you live you live out this desire and this goal for self-government. You you pursue self-government. You um, you live under this umbrella uh, umbrella of of liberty. Uh, how else can I explain it? You know, in the words of Lee, he he's saying, "Be American in thought, word, and deed." How how do you be American in thought, in word, and in deed? Well, everything that you think, say, and do is encompassed in self-government. Uh, you know, we we have this we have this wonderful ability to govern ourselves. This was something. You know, at the time, this was brand new. This was brand spanking new. It just, self-government wasn't a thing. Uh, you were ruled by somebody else. There was a monarch or, or, or someone else in charge of your life that told you what you could do and what you could not do. And here, these these men, you know, they, they formed this new nation under this idea of us governing ourselves. Uh, let's... Let's write a constitution and let's follow that constitution. Let's commit in, in following this, this constitution. Let's all agree this is going to be the law of the land and this is what we're going to follow. Uh, and we're going to govern ourselves accordingly. We're not going to need somebody to lord it over us. We're going to govern ourselves. That That's what it means to be, you know, partly what it means to be American and thought, word, and deed. Um. You know, wouldn't it be great if, I mean, we have this opportunity when we go into history class to to teach this stuff, to teach 
to teach what it means to be an American and instead of of the garbage instead of the 1619 garbage that's being doled out here's what jefferson said about washington upon his death jefferson said his mind was great and powerful he was incapable of fear meeting personal dangers with the calmest unconcern perhaps the strongest features in his character was prudence never acting until every circumstance every consideration was maturely weighed refraining if he saw a doubt but when once decided going through with his purpose whatever obstacles opposed wouldn't that be nice if that's how we conducted our days um not panicking um you know not responding in fear but just you know patiently resolving to 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 find a solution or or to to not make this the decision until we we've, we've got all the facts and then once we made the decision just go after it don't be quick to change our minds here's what else jefferson said about washington his integrity was most pure his justice the most inflexible i have ever known it may truly be said that never did nature and fortune combine more perfectly to make a great man his integrity was most pure. What if our integrity was was most pure? You know, what if we got up in the morning and we said, yep, today I'm going to operate out of integrity. I mean, yesterday I might have stumbled a little bit, but today I'm going after it. You know, if we did that, you know, we wouldn't need to have meetings with attorneys before we... Uh, <laughs> before we you know gave testimony in front of congress to make sure what we were saying didn't uh, perjure ourselves you know just tell the truth that's all just tell the truth here's what um here's what richard allen had to say richard allen gave a eulogy of george washington and he delivered it in bethel church on December 29, 1799. His eulogy was reprinted in the Philadelphia Gazette on December 31st. Uh, Richard Allen is a, a free black minister. He's a man of the gospel, a minister of the gospel. And, and this is what his eulogy, but part of his eulogy. We, my friends, have particular cause to bemoan our loss. To us, he has been the sympathizing friend and tender father. He's watched over us and viewed our degraded and afflicted state with compassion and pity. His heart was not insensible to our sufferings. He whose wisdom the nation, the nations revered, thought we had a right to liberty. He thought, this is my own interjection here, he, Alan, a, a, a black preacher, is saying that Washington thought we had a right to liberty, and this is what he fought for, and this is what he, he led the country towards, was a right to liberty. Um, liberty is more than freedom. I mean, freedom is part of liberty's definition, but, you know, specifically, it's it's freedom from tyranny. It's 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 freedom from the, the the despotic rule of someone else over your life. That that's what liberty is. 
um, you know, I, I think the opposite, you know, would be slavery. And here this, this black minister is saying that, uh, that Washington, you know, thought we all had a right to liberty. Jefferson thought the same thing. You know, that's why they, they put it in the, in the declaration. That's why Jefferson penned it in the declaration that we have unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unbiased. All right, I'm, I'm back to the eulogy. Unbiased by the popular opinion of the state in which is the memorable, memorable Mount Vernon, he dared to do his duty and wipe off the only stain with which men could ever reproach him. The popular opinion of the state of Virginia was that uh, you, you couldn't you couldn't get rid of your slaves. You know, if you had them, you could not get rid of them. Jefferson tried. He, he but you know, again, we we've talked about this. You know, but here this this um, this black pastor says that uh, in spite of that popular opinion, Washington dared to do his duty and wipe off the only stain with which men could ever reproach him. The only stain that anyone could ever attach to him was the stain of slavery. And here in his death, Washington is making the attempt to wipe that off. And this, this Black minister is acknowledging that. He continues, and it is now said by an authority on which I rely that he who ventured his life in battles, whose head was covered in that day, and whose shield the Lord of hosts was, did not fight for that liberty which he desired to withhold from others. The bread of oppression was not sweet to his taste, and he let the oppressed go free. He undid every burden. He provided lands and comfortable accommodations for them when he kept this acceptable fast to the Lord, that those who had been slaves might rejoice in the day of their deliverance. So he's acknowledging that Washington set his slaves free. And he says that, uh, you know, Washington did not fight for that liberty which he desired to withhold from others. Um, he wanted everyone to experience that liberty. This is what America was founded on. And this is a black minister uh, offering a eulogy to Washington, claiming and making that statement that this is what America was founded on, and this is what Washington fought for. This, my friends, is what the revolution was fought for, according to this man. Uh, but the 1619 Project would tell you that the revolution was fought so we could keep slaves. Uh, there is evil afoot in this country, and the evil is is being dealt in lies to your children and to our children in public schools in their history classes. Um, it, you know, I mean, people might say, Dean, are you on that again? Uh, well, when are you going to stop talking about that? I'm never going to stop talking about it. I'm never going to stop talking about it. Uh, there are original source documents that we should be going to every opportunity we can. And that's what we're doing here. We're going to do it on this show. We're going to go to original source documents every chance we get. Because this stuff has got to be talked about. These men that, that fought the revolution, 
believed in liberty, not just for themselves, but in liberty for everybody. And this isn't coming from their words. This is the words of Richard Allen, uh, who is, is a black preacher, and he's delivering this eulogy of Washington in Bethel Church, December 29, 1799. Um, you know, we, uh, this, we have a rich heritage in this country. And we have much to be thankful for. We have much to be grateful for. Uh, you know, we live in the in the best and freest country on the planet, despite its current woes, despite despite the obstacles that that currently stand in front of us. We live in the best country on the planet. We live in the best country in the history of this planet. It is a, a country that gives us the opportunity to govern ourselves. Uh, and and to pursue every dream that we can possibly pursue, uh, to come up with plans, craft plans, you know, for our betterment, and to go after it, and not only for our betterment, uh, but for the the betterment of of those around us. The rising tide lifts all boats. Um, you know, if this were if this were taught in our schools, our kids would be better for it. Uh, if if some of these eulogies about Washington were read and we understood who the man was and we understood what the, the his contemporaries, the people around him thought about him and what they thought about this nation, what they thought about this country, we might think differently about it ourselves. Oh, there's much to go over. And we have a lot of time to get it done in. But not today. We're up against the clock. That's all the time we have for today, America. Thank you for joining me. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.